Good morning, everyone. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you so much for listening in. If you have any questions or feedback for me, feel free to send us a message. And you can do that right where you're listening on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can also send us a uh, message through our website, as you see there, jasondemars.com. This morning, I'm going to speak about what does the Bible say about nail polish? So we look at this and you say, oh, what, what's this legalism? Everything that we do is a reflection of what's on the inside of us. And so uh, the Bible calls us to live a life of modesty. And so these things impact that. Um, and first of all, you know, nail polish would be definitely connected to the scriptures about uh, makeup about painting it's a type of makeup um, it's used to put on the fingernails and and toenails um, let's look at some of its origins and this is from a article uh, from the magazine good housekeeping nail polish originated in china as early as 3000 bc the ingredients included beeswax egg whites gelatin and vegetable dyes in ancient Egypt, nail polish was even used to signify class rankings. The lower class often wore nude and light colors, while high society painted their nails red. No wonder red, uh, red remains so iconic. Actress Rita Hayworth popularized, popularized red nail polish after the introduction of Technicolor, Rita's bold nails launched a polish movement. Much later, Uma Thurman would start a new trend of vamp-colored nails thanks to her hit role in Pulp Fiction. So you see how what role Hollywood played in the spread of nail polish in the United States. And now here's some things from Wikipedia that talks about this. Um, once, they say, once again, nail polish originated in China and dates back to 3000 BC. Around 600 BC, during the Zhu dynasty, the royal house preferred the colors gold and silver. However, red and black eventually replaced these metallic colors as royal favorites. During the Ming dynasty, nail polish was often made from a mixture that included beeswax, egg whites, gelatin, vegetable dyes, and gum arabic. In Egypt, the lower classes wore pale colors, whereas high society painted their nails reddish-brown with henna. Mummified pharaohs also had their nails painted with henna. Colored nail polish did not make an appearance until the 1920s. Early nail polish formulas were created using basic ingredients such as lavender oil, carmine, oxide tin, and bergamot oil. It was more common to polish nails with tinted powders and creams, finishing off by buffing the nail until left shiny. One type of polishing product sold around this time was Graf's High Glow Nail Polish Paste. Nail polish in the Western world was more frequently worn by women, going in and out of acceptability depending upon moral customs of the day. In Victoria, Victorian-era culture, it was generally considered improper for women to adorn themselves with either makeup or nail coloring. Since natural appearances were considered more chaste and pure. In the 1920s, however, women began to wear color. You see 1920s. We see this time frame appearing for us again and again. 
The 1920s were a turning point. This was when pants started coming in. This is when cutting the hair started coming in. This is when makeup started coming in. This is when nail polish started coming in. In the 1920s, however, women began to wear color in new makeups and nail products, partly in rebellion to such prim customs of their recent past. They did it because of rebellion. Wow. Since the 1920s, nail colors progressed from French manicures and standard reds to various palettes of color choices, usually coordinated with the fashion industry's clothing colors for the season. By the 1940s, the whole nail was painted. Before that, it was fashionable to leave the tips and a half moon on the nail bed bare. So you can see the origins of nail polish are definitely connected to makeup. Um, and same thing, whether it's, whether it's a, a nude nail polish or a colored nail polish, it's, it's connection is the same. I'm going to read, uh, from strange scriptures to the Western mind, just to show you what the scripture and what the history says about makeup. Painting does, painting does not appear to have been a, by any means, universal among the Hebrews. References to it are few, and in each instance it seems to have been unworthy of a woman of high character. Thus Jezebel put her eyes in painting, 2 Kings 9.30. Jeremiah says of the harlot city, Though thou rentest thy face with painting, Jeremiah 4.30. And Ezekiel again makes it a characteristic of a harlot, 2 Kings 9.30. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out at a window. Jeremiah 4.30, And when thou art spoiled, what wilt thou do? Though thou closest thyself with crimson, though thou deckest thee with ornaments of gold, though thou rentest thy face with painting, in vain shalt thou make thyself fair. Thy lovers will despise thee, they will seek thy life. And furthermore, this is Ezekiel 23.40, And furthermore, that ye have sent for men to come from far, unto whom a messenger was sent, and lo, they came, for whom thou didst wash thyself, paintest thy eyes, and deckest thyself with ornaments. So, here we have in this these scriptures and these in, this from strange scriptures in the Western mind that painting was unworthy of a woman of high character. You don't paint your fingernails and your face to be modest. You don't paint your fingernails and your face to be pleasing to God. You do it to be pleasing to men to fit in with the world. Instead of fitting in the in with the world, why don't you do your best to submit yourself to God and do what's pleasing to Him more than anything? Brother Branham says this in the second coming of the Lord in nineteen fifty seven, and when she comes in, oh her nails may be painted. That is, if you're of the world. Painting nails is something that is of the world. So let's, let's look back again at some of the things that the um, Wikipedia speaks about. He says, historically, artificial nails, speaking, this is speaking of artificial nails now, um, ones where the, they get them put on and they're longer than, than um, the usual so, historically, artificial nails were common symbols of status all across the world. 
During the Ming Dynasty of China, noble women wore very long artificial nails as a status symbol indicating that unlike commoners, they did not have to do manual labor. In early 19th century Greece, upper class women often wore empty pistachio shells over their nails, slowly spreading the artificial nail trend across Europe. Egyptian women wore nails, nail extensions made from bone, ivory, and gold as a sign of status as these materials were luxuries available only to the wealthy. The earliest experiments and resultant artificial nails used a monomer and polymer mix applied to the nail and extended over a supporting form. And so this is, this again, it's talking about the history of that. In 1878, move, jumping forward, Mary E. Cobb opened the first manicure salon in Manhattan. This came after studying nail care in France and marrying podiatrist J. Parker Prey. During the 1920s, short, well-manicured round nails were a symbol of wealth. Revlon made their first appearance in 1932 with only one single product, long-lasting formula nail enamel. In 1954, Fred Slack, a dentist, broke his fingernail at work and created an artificial nail as a realistic-looking temporary replacement. Now, this is something different. If it's a medical need, that's completely different if you need to replace a fingernail. But that's not talking, this is not, 90% of the time we're not talking about a, a, repl a replacement. We're talking about extending your nails beyond what is naturally normal. All right. And again, once again, it's connected to the makeup industry. And so um, in the late 20th century, artificial nails for women became wildly popular all over the world. In today's time, there are even nail styling comp competitions. Judges of these nail competitions look for consistency from nail to nail. Uh, and so there's, there's such a whole industry behind it beauty industry they call it and uh, the beauty industry ignores the true beauty which is the character the bible calls it the beauty of holiness i'm going to close this out by reading a quote from brother branham in the sermon the evening messenger in january 1963 he says i met a man here not long ago i don't say this to be sacrilegious please forgive me if i'm if you're thinking it's making it sacrilegious, I was at a tent meeting and the minister, a Pentecostal minister, brought his wife over to play the piano. And when he introduced me to his wife, honestly, I almost fainted. The woman had real short hair, curled up, and she had great big earrings and enough manicure on her lips or whatever this stuff is. Fingernails painted. Looked like she was, it was a horrible looking, great big long claws and like that. And sexy looking little bitty short dress on. She couldn't even put it over her knees when she sat down. You hear that, sisters? Well, I stood there a little bit and I said, Brother, will I hurt your feelings if I say something? He said, Why, certainly not. Nice man, and she seemed to be a nice woman. I said, Do you say, Did you say your wife was a saint? He said, Yes. I said, Excuse the expression, but she looks like a haint to me. And so this is an expression. Uh, all the nail polish, makeup, etc., they're, those are connected, of course, and they're an expression of the world. They're a worldly thing. They're not a scriptural thing. There's no scripture to command polishing your nails and wearing makeup. Scripture does, doesn't command it. In fact, it always connects it to the world and ungodliness. 
And we're not to be conformed to the world, but we're to be transformed by renewing of our mind that we might be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening in. Appreciate it. Any feedback, we welcome it. May the Lord richly bless you.